Hey everybody, it's Rudy, your host of D&D VNG. If you listened to the last episode, you know this is part two of our Baldur's Gate extravaganza. But before we start, I just wanted to say real quick, I have started another podcast that is way different than anything you've heard me on before. It is called Have Spellbook Will Travel. It is a Dungeons and Dragons based fantasy comedy radio play that is fully produced with music, sound effects, and some very fine actors. I really implore you to please check it out. Uh, the website is havespellbook.com. We are on iTunes, Have Spellbook Will Travel. We're on Twitter at Have Spellbook. Take a listen. I really think that if you listen to this podcast, that you will enjoy that one. So do Rudy a solid and go on over and press that play on episode one. Thanks so much, and here we go. Yeah. Uh, it's because there's so much. There is uh, so much. Well, I think this... that word, or that sentence just yeah. bears repeating over and over again. There so... is so much. Yeah, and, and this, the second half is weaker than the first half, too. Definitely, because yeah. it's an open-world RPG for the most. Like, the first thing you're told is, get a bunch of gold. Here's the world. Like, go out, complete quests, steal yeah. stuff, sell stuff, make a bunch of money. And I think that's the perfect way to start that. And, and, like, literally within the first ten minutes of being in the city, you're approached with, like, four quest lines that are, like, multiple hours each. And you don't even know it. Like, everything starts yeah. off, it seems like, as, like, a basic quest, and then you just go down this long, winding road of, you know, where you eventually somehow end up fighting a dragon. It generally is <laughs> how it ends. Uh, and just one thing, I want to say one more thing in Companions, because it seems like we're moving on, just about Enhanced Edition. Uh, Enhanced Edition oh. does add four new Companions, which, I gotta say, the writing quality for those Companions definitely, I felt like, was it took a dip uh, whenever I played with them. Uh, but I will say it does a great job. If you do want to do an evil character party, it adds two more evil character options. So that is something this game is missing, I think. If you want to be an evil person, you were kind of restricted in your choices. So, yeah, that. I think, and I just I did want to touch on this, Alex, so I thank you for bringing it up. The Enhanced Edition, it seems like all the dialogues in the Enhanced Edition have another, like a fourth option that is silly, funny, fourth wall breaking like, witty response. Yeah, your character is way more sarcastic in any Enhanced Edition content. And it's like, what? This is taking me out of the game so much for me to be making jokes, like, knock-knock jokes and stuff. Like, what is going on right now? Uh, I think that that happened in the the Bioware games in general after this. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, a lot of RPGs have, like, that... I mean, I remember a lot of humor in Planescape Torment, and it felt right. That's more organic there. You know? Yeah, it felt fitting of the world, of the theme, of the character I was playing. But in this, you're making these like, yeah, we're in a crypt. You said we're in a crypt and we're in a, like these dumb, outrageous jokes. And another one of our friends commented on the same, like, I didn't even bring it up. He sent me a message saying this enhanced edition stuff is really annoying and it's just a bummer and uh, doesn't, you know bode well for dragon spirit castle in my opinion yeah who knows but i will say the the all the characters have pretty like in-depth character quests and i think the content from like a combat design point is actually pretty good and there was some one of the most unique things there is a wild mage companion 
And there's a zone you go to in our quest, which is like the wild forest, where basically all magic wild surges automatically. And it's pretty crazy when you're in that area and you're just trying to cast heal and then, I don't know, 30 squirrels pop out and run around and explode. Uh, there's some unique ideas, but I think the writing is not not a good part of it. Rudy, I want you to, uh, when you guys play Dragonspear, um, or <laughs> or whatever, yeah, uh, if you ever do, I want you to imagine all of those lines as read by Norm MacDonald as Turd Ferguson saying, yeah, knock, knock, Joe. Yeah. Like, cause that's you guys describing all that. That's all I kept seeing. Here's a piece of trivia. If you had to guess what two female characters had the same voice actress, who would you guess? NPCs. Nalia and Emma Wynn. No. No, that's my guess. Yeah. It's Nalia and Vicania have the same voice actress. Really? Which I did not know until I looked up on IMDb. Cause I, re- I what I really remembered was, oh yeah, there are a lot of really good voice actors. Yeah, this, this game has some real big hitters. Yeah. I know like, Jennifer Hale is in she's this. She's Yeah, She's Mazzy? Okay, yeah. David David Warner, who is uh, Aranicus, he's amazing. Yes. Like, in general, Absolutely. as an actor. He's great. True. And he's in this. Winnie uh, the Pooh is Minsk. Jim Cummings. Yeah. <laughs> Billy West is several background characters. Frank Welker is in this. Yeah. They really went to town with the budget. And, uh, and these... Jason. Yeah, to be fair, these weren't as quite well-known... It, it just shows that someone has a great eye for talent over at Black. Yeah, Rock. and the voice acting is generally like maybe one or two sentences every conversation. Like I think every much. almost every Aronicus line is except there. for Aronicus. Yeah, he's pretty much fully voiced. I remember talking to one NPC who is doing a crazy old lady voice, and I was like, "Whoa, that's the crazy old lady from Futurama." Oh <laughs> that's wow, Tress really? McNeil. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that too. That's funny. Uh, let's talk about the combat because that's what this game is. Well, no, it's not like that, but there's a lot of combat. We just spent an hour talking about yeah, how great the yeah. story and the NPCs are. Touch but combat. heck with all that. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the combat. Um, it is real time, which uh, is not traditional D and D. Real time turn based. Yes. Okay. Based. Fine. Real time turn based. Your characters will constantly attack, but it is done through turns, and you can see all of that on the bottom of your screen, um, what your character rolled against the other character. If they hit, what damage they've done to the other character. When someone dies, it gives a nice big death uh, uh, in red, just so that way you know someone's died. Uh, What do you guys think of this game from a combat perspective? I don't like it. That was a short answer. Um, but I, <laughs> it was an I, answer though. I like it. Uh, basically, what you're doing to control all six characters in uh, real time is hitting the pause button constantly to give them each specific commands. And if you're going to do that, why not just have turn-based combat? Yep, that sounds about right to me. This is, this is pretty. Uh, this goes along with your previous statements in the past. For both of you guys, so it's good. You know what? I love turn-based combat, and I love other kinds of combat in games, too. I hate this particular style of computer RPG combat. Um, so, yeah, I guess it makes sense that I would have said the same thing in the past. Weren't you the guy that hated Temple of Elemental Evil, a great turn-based combat game, I would um, say? I don't know. If there's more reasons than combat to hate Temple of Elemental Evil. That's fair, but Which did we you like... hate the combat in Toei? Yeah, I thought it was really bland. I okay, okay, fine. That's fine. Uh, 
Let's go then to someone who loves the combat, Alex Passo. Yeah. Why do you like it, Alex? Well, I hate the combat. What? No, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I really like the the turn based round system. I think what every round's like six seconds, and uh, you there's there's a bunch of stats like under there's a bunch of stats underneath the uh, I don't know the hood. That uh, that are going and it can be very confusing. Like, did you really have an idea what was going on, Vegas? You think like when all characters were meleeing each other? No, did you know, that's like, why I hated it. For a second, yeah, it's definitely confusing. Uh, the thing I love about this game is I, the first one as well is I feel like it's so good at making battles like slightly out of your reach. I, there have been so many times in this game where I've gone into a fight and you know I've maybe I've gotten destroyed and after like. You know, another five, ten tries, I, like, get out of the fight with no casualties at all. It's just, it feels like if you just adjust your tactics, you can definitely make a huge difference on an encounter that maybe, you know, 30 minutes ago you thought was impossible. Uh, and a big part of that is spellcasters. This game is, as you level up more and more, really turns into, like, proper mage control. The mages play such a huge role in this game with all of their crazy buffs and uh, damage spells that you really need to understand the, the spell system and know how certain effects, uh, you know, all count, like what counters stone skin, and you really need to know how good dispel magic and things like breach are. Yeah. Uh, which it's something if you again if you don't know anything about the spells, like the first time you run into a high level mage, it could just be one guy. Like, I know in uh, Nalia's quest, there's, like, a Yanti mage on the second floor who oh can just God. wreck your party. He's probably, like, the if you if you kind of follow how the game leads you, he's probably the first tough mage you encounter, and he can be such a pain in the ass. Uh, and to an extent, I think that's kind of a negative of the game because I, I think the, the... Because it's so old, the visuals don't properly convey a bunch of buffs. Like, when a mage constantly buffs themselves in this game, it's just a bunch of glowing crap. Like, there's all these circles around them that <laughs> are glowing weird, and, and you'll miss important buffs like Stone Skin, which make all your melee characters, uh, when they hit them, do no damage. Uh, but if you take the time to actually learn the system, like, the, the magic system in this game is super complicated, and it's so much, like, countering, and it's really cool, and I really love it. I went into that room, I opened that door, I was like, wait, I think I die here all the time. And then I walk in the room and got killed. I was like, no! <laughs> so yeah. quick, quick save often is yeah. definitely a rule for Baldur's oh, yeah. Gate 2. I think you hit on a lot of uh, points uh, as to what was driving me nuts, Alex, is that there's um, a ton going on under the hood that I I don't understand just by playing the game uh, it's not intuitively clear what attacks are strong what spells i should be using and also the way the ui is set up you know all this you've got 20 spells that you can scroll through at the bottom of the screen and you can't really hover over them to see what they do I suspect that what you're saying is true, that if you can really delve into it and understand everything, it becomes a cool and interesting combat system because of the amount of depth. Uh, but that same amount of depth is really uh, off-putting to a new player. Yeah, and I feel like as a new player, I know I always used to do it. You really just, with a mage, you want to like click fireball as many times as possible and you know any sort of damaging spell. And you kind of realize that's... As awesome as that is, that's going to give you a lot of problems in the game. 
I I know about Second Ed. Like I've played Second Ed games before. I you know like have tons of Second Ed books. I'm like so I'm first enough, right? And maybe it's just maybe I just don't want to deal with six party members anymore. You know, like I said, like this isn't a a slight against the game, I guess, in that regard. But I just it's just so trouble. It's so much annoyance. You know, in terms of like, I don't want to deal with this. Like I said, I don't have this huge nostalgia factor going on. I had Baldur's Gate 1. I never even beat it. You know, like, um, I never had Baldur's Gate 2. So I'm not the guy they're looking for, right? But Alex kind of hit it on the head, too, where he was saying, you know, if you don't know how this stuff works, like, if you don't know, hey, you better get less restoration for when they drain levels. That's not a thing that ever happens anymore. But guess what? Old D&D was mean as hell, and they could take your levels away. You know, like, they can take your levels away, and that's fine. But if you don't know about that, you can be really upset, especially if you don't have a way to fix it. Yeah, if you don't have a cleric, or if they level drain your cleric, which is the worst. Like, what are you going to do? Nothing. I, I feel like I'm terrible at the combat, and I stumble my way through it. But I still think that it's doable as a dummy like myself. I think that you can go through the game and keep yourself at a level. Now, Alex, you said you you feel like you're always slightly below. But I think you can do it so you're always kind of slightly ahead. Because there's so much content, which we touched on earlier. I think it's just being able to be like, all right, can't do this now. I'll come back later. And um, if that annoys you, then that's going to probably not work yeah i think it's definitely doable if you uh even if you don't know the combat system it'll just mm-hmm. be more work and it'll be a lot more like yeah i got a good crit so now i won that fight <laughs> and you don't yeah. really know what happened and there are like there are intermediate strategies too like i never i've never really been that deep in terms of the combat with this game but like if you put defensive buffs on your mages and then cast haste like that's actually a pretty good strategy that's, in general yeah that's Already a big part of the battle. Yeah. I guess the point that I keep coming back to is that this game is not for new players. Yeah, you know? it's a, it's a, because even the even what you said, Rudy, about oh, this is hard. I should I should go somewhere else. Like tons of open world games now just scale to your level. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but you can't do that here. It's open world, but you have to know like when to run away. And that's not a thing that I feel like games do a ton anymore. Like, it's come back a little bit mm-hmm. with stuff like Dark Souls and, you know. Like and usually they're Dark labeled Duncan. as, like, hardcore games. Yeah. So it's like, that was just how games were 15 yeah. years ago, guys. Guess what? You're dead. Sorry. Yeah. Reload. If Mario falls in that hole four times, your game is over. Exactly. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> and And that's what I meant when I said... It's cool that there's so much content, but I don't know which way to go. Mm-hmm. I guess what I really meant was, will someone please point me towards the low-level content in the game so I don't walk into a crypt and get wrecked? <laughs> which can... You mean by, like, the 20 random liches in the game? Yes. <laughs> Just slaughter you. Like, oh, you touched my coffin. Oh, <laughs> oh there's a <laughs> secret door in the back of this bar. I'm dead. <laughs> there was a sale at the lich store, okay? Everyone bought a phylactery, and that was it. It's fine. That was it. Now, you know, we've talked time and time again now about how much there is. Does anyone want to talk about some of their favorite quest lines? Well, well so, uh, I mean, uh, I can answer that question, but I actually have a similar question. Oh, so there, okay. There's like a... When you get out of Renekis' dungeon, the idea is 
go on a quest to get some money. And I think that there are like, there's like six or eight quests that you can take. You might not know where to find them immediately. Um, but if you take those, you will get the money you need and you can move on with the game if you want to. I don't suggest it because you'll be really low level, but you mm -hmm. could do it. Right. Um, so what like quests of those did people do? So I actually did one of the new character quests, which is Hexat, who is in the Copper Cornet Vegas. I think you mentioned that you uh, you picked her up. Yeah. Um, and outside of the weird dialogue options, I thought it was pretty neat. There is a huge twist when you complete the quest that I will not ruin in case anyone wants to, to know about it. So I thought that was a really neat quest. And it was not... It was kind of hard. <laughs> we died a bunch. You end up fighting this kind of boss guy who was kicking our butt several times. Um, I also did, there's a really neat quest where you have to find this murderer in one of the districts who's like flaying people alive. And so it's kind of like a little mystery thing. It's not very long, but it was, it was cute. It was fun. And I always like when they try and do things different like that where... Um, this isn't necessarily something you'd expect in in a, a fantasy RPG to do kind of like detective work. Played uh, about eight hours of the game, and I feel like I got very little accomplished in that time. I felt like I, I kept starting right quests and like going out to try to do them and being like, oh, I'm too low level yeah. or I can't find this quest for some reason. Uh, like the crypt one, Rudy, I spent a while looking for it. And there's so many crypts, I guess I just kept going in the wrong ones. Yeah, def I definitely recall that experience playing when I was younger. Like, going to something, kind of doing it, and then being like, this is too hard. And then just going somewhere else. Sorry. To answer uh, your question, my two favorite quests to immediately start, well, maybe not immediately, but uh, in that chapter three, are the Umar, this quest lines connected to Umar Hills and uh, Windspear Hills. Oh, because uh, you for learn. certain reason. No, I, was, I mean because I like killing dragons. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> and those both lead to, to dragons eventually. Um, I dragons also that cast magic spells on you and stuff. I also for the for, not for uh, I've done it before, but I don't remember doing it before. The planar sphere, which is just like this big circle building in the slums, which you need to find Valgar to get into, uh, and it, it involves a bunch of like planar travel. I did that this session and it's probably been like 10 years since i last done it i didn't remember anything about it i thought that was pretty neat uh which also something that we did i haven't touched on is there are strongholds in this game uh based on what class you are the the mage the planar sphere is the mage stronghold when you clear it and uh there's some quests rel relating to your stronghold which is neat it's not like super in-depth but it's nice to have a place that it's like your party's home you know, I liked that they actually included that aspect of second edition. Like, as far as like an implementation of the second edition rules, holy crap, these guys went all out. Mm -hmm. You know, like didn't hold your hand with any of the awful things that could occur. All these crazy kits. Hey, you can get strongholds. Yeah, dual glassing. Let's roll. Like they did everything, and I think that's great. Yeah, we've complained in reviews of other games like, oh, this doesn't feel like a translation of D&D yeah. &D at all. And this is the opposite of that. It's like, man, this is, is this too much D&D? &D? The main storyline, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's incredible. I think, um, 
you know, a lot of times you're doing epic things in these games and it doesn't necessarily, I'm going to point to Sword Coast Legends here. It doesn't necessarily feel like epic or anything like that. And in this one, I truly did feel like I am something stronger than I possibly can imagine. And this guy is trying to unleash that in me. And part of me is like, no, it's evil. And part of me is like, might be pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Could be a god. And the way they convey that through these dream sequences that you constantly have, another thing Sword Coast Legends does, and actually didn't do too terribly, uh, I think that in this, they're even better. What do you guys think? Yeah, I bite on that. The the whole like the whole storyline of uh, just the spawn of what are they called spawn of all spawn all spawn all spawn oh, there you go um, like that's that's cool and like Renicus is nuts but like like you said time and again like the characters just the development is really interesting like even I was I was annoyed with Minsk but even him I'm like yeah he ain't too bad you know I think they just hammed it up in the beginning but all these characters all the major stuff. It's pretty tight. Um, if I, I, I would say this, and I think this sums up my feelings on the story of this game. Um, my biggest gripe with Fifth Edition is that it undoes what this game did to the Forgotten Realms storyline. <sighs> to be fair, that's not really Fifth Edition's fault. It's just is that the Baldur's Gate adventure? No, no, no. I mean, around? like the 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 kind of the, my biggest gripe with the mythology of Fifth Edition Forgotten Realms is that they undid that. Wasn't that because they screwed it up so bad with fourth though? Well, I guess, but like they brought back Ball and Bane and the other one. Yeah, that yeah. that one shot was it a one we shot? We ran that. Yeah, or the, we the ran test that. The test we did, like specifically, was connected to. Do you remember, Greg? Oh yeah, you the guy, yeah. the main guy is the main character. Yes, Ball it Ab- is. Abdel yes. is like the name for the mm-hmm. protagonist. Yeah. Based on that terrible novelization. Oh, God, don't read the novels. I think Minsk in the novels is like just a crazy guy they let go. He has and it's like, like he's red far and hair. away. Yeah, and he's like far and away the most popular character to come from this series. And the, the author was just like, yeah, this crazy guy's weird. I'm not going to use him. <laughs> uh, but to speak on the the storyline, I'm not as crazy about the overall plot storyline as you already. Like I think. I don't know, your motivation early on is just like, let me get Emma in. And occasionally you're having these weird dreams. Uh, like, I've probably played a significant amount of this game, like, at least 20-hour games. Baldur's Gate 2, like, ten, maybe, what, ten times almost? A dozen? And I've only completed it twice. Because, to me, the greatest part of this game is when it opens up in chapter... Uh, well, as soon as you leave the dungeon. Immediately, yeah. Chapter and two. You, yeah. Chapter 2, yeah. And you have all these great, like, awesome quests to just go do. And having your party then interact with each other. Like, that's always been more interesting to me than actually completing the storyline. As John mentioned earlier, I think it definitely starts to... It's. I think the first act is a lot stronger than the second. Uh, did anybody else get to actually rescuing Imwin? I'm, like, right outside it. But, I mean, I've, I've done it before. Uh, like, the last three times... Because I've played this game completely twice, but, like, I've played through a bunch of times at this point. Uh, and I've gotten to that part, and that's usually where I stop. But, uh, yeah, I just don't save her. I get to her and I'm like, I don't want you in my party because yeah. I like right. everybody in my party a lot and I don't care for you. The expectation seems to be that you have Yoshimo, so then you need her. Wait, can you... Right, but I don't ever have yeah, him. Yeah, because oh. we know. <laughs> gotcha. 
I really liked him. He's great. I, I love him a lot. I really hate that you can't, can't use keep him. him. I think he's. I love his. He's funny. He makes me laugh every time yeah. he is. Hi, he was probably my favorite. Even if he's like in a horrible caricature. Yeah, I know, but he's also super friendly. He's like the friendliest NPC in the game. That's why I like him. He's, he's like. Yeah, maybe. Oh, and the Underdark stuff, because you do end up in the Underdark in this game, I really don't like. There is a Mind Flayer dungeon in this game, and if you made a dumb character or you were carrying Minsk, you're going to have... <laughs> you're, just, you're wrecked. Forget it's, it. They, they will one-shot you. You need to... Uh, you, if you don't... I've gotten through that with Minsk. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, you can get through, but, like, if you don't know how Mind Flayers work, you're gonna be like, why did my tough 120 hit point warrior just die? It's like, oh, because he has an oh, yeah. intelligence under 10, or under 11, that's why. But you well, I, I mean... Based on your intelligence? Yes, if you were... I think it's 11 is the, the break point. If you're under that, they can just, like, eat your brain. And they cast <laughs> a spell on you that lowers your uh, intelligence. But there's ways to resist it. Yeah, I just was like, oh, he he breathed. I'll talk now. Um, uh, <laughs> was that actually your least favorite like setting in the game? The Underdark or the yeah. Mind Flayers? I think the Underdark, the Underdark in general. I really don't like. Oh, I, the um, I really once you get to I think chapter three is when you're in Brynlaw and Spellhold. Yes, and or chapter the, four, I think it might be. And then say how Huagin City. I still know how to pronounce yes, it. Yes, like the underwater city. I don't like that too much. I basically don't like Spellhold through the Underdark. Like I don't like that series. Okay. I like the Underdark, but yeah, I don't like I don't like Brynlaw, Spellhold, or the Sahalguin city. The one thing I do like about the Underdark is how you have a bunch of super high level magic items that, as soon as you get back to the surface, immediately disintegrate. Yep. <laughs> and you are. Uh, I'm just thrilled that the Underdark is in a game. Yeah, just, that's really cool. Uh, Drist is there. You can find Drist in this game. Really? Mm-hmm. You can fight alongside him for some vampires. Yeah, yeah they're it, all there. Yeah, you can fight alongside him or kill him. Mm-hmm. You can. Except Good. he will probably kill you. Yeah, but you can take um, his can stuff. Try. Kill Drist and take his stuff. Uh, but power, power gaming thing, don't do that. That's a, that's a waste of your time. I think. All right. So let's talk about this game as a D&D game. Sorry. This is a conversion of the rules to a game, period. Period. Full stop. It's not turn-based. I guess you could argue that. But this is it. Turn-based. They just don't stop the turn. It is, sure. It's real-time turn-based. But this is it. This is 2.5 thrown on a video game. You guys, obviously, some of us think it works, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, I don't know really anything about 2.5. I never picked up a book. I mean, Greg was talking about it before, and he said it seems really. But yeah. I, well, I'm not. I'm not saying yeah. is it a good. I'm just saying, does it work as a video game? Oh, independent? it's super no. confusing. No, it's okay. awful. It's awful. Yeah, as a video game, yes, it's awful. Numbers go down. That's bad. That's not a video mm. game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Faco. When you have an acronym that's not even made up of letters, all of it, and you have to interpret what that means and. Like, no, that's terrible as a video game. Like, if they should have just... They could have I, even I would argue that's terrible as anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're not playing golf. You shouldn't, it shouldn't be there. That's a fair point, John. That's why they changed it, you know? And made yeah, golf, golf needs to go for the high score now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you, John. 
But like, no, I think it's a video game. It's terrible. I just, it works for me because I understand it. Like I said, don't care about new players. Mm. That's this whole game. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it, build, it definitely builds on the theme of confusing new players. I mean, all I, like, I have a friend who actually started the game pretty much the same time we started doing this session. And like, I didn't want to describe it in it, any of it. I'm basically just like, Baco, you want, you want negatives on armor and hit. And that's it. Like, don't worry about it. Just get as low numbers as you can get. Which just goes against everything you'd expect. But only for those two statistics. Everything else needs to be as high as possible. Yeah, yeah. and there's so many times in this game where it's like, you'll look at something that adds plus to attack roll. Or, like, I feel like the, the language at times between what adds to your Thaco, shouldn't that be subtracting from your Thaco? Yeah. And, like, it's, yeah. it's inconsistent. To the point where you just need to put an item on and see what your damage number does to really get a full understanding. Like, oh, did it go down? Okay, good. It's it's definitely. I wish that they could have probably just reversed the numbers, right? And not yes, just I mean. destroyed D and D forever. In the enhanced edition, they could have just like um, abstracted it from Thaco into what the math is going on behind the scenes. And it's really easy to flip Thaco and negative armor class into ascending armor class and higher to hit is better. Like, it's not complicated, but they, gets, they didn't want to change that for reasons? I, I don't yeah, know. Maybe it would have ruined the engine. I, I don't know, but yeah. Mm. I mean, it's definitely, it's just math in reverse. That's like really all it is. <laughs> yeah. I just can't imagine. I told you, I was pretty clear about the difficulties I had as a new player for this game. If I was a new player without being pretty familiar with D and D rules and mildly familiar with old D and D, my head would have exploded. Yeah, definitely. It's terrible as a game. It's I mean, game. you, it's just you terrible can, enough that we're familiar with it. You can say that Vegas, but this game was super popular and most of the people who played it didn't know I had no idea D&D at all. Alex and I had no idea. It also yeah, have a and, huge manual. And they got a 2 or 300 page manual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they became familiar with D&D, John. Yeah, but th- again, but again, but Thaco, the explanation of that is literally just you want lower numbers. <laughs> I, I agree that it's not intuitive at all, but I just don't agree with Vegas's assessment that it's so unintuitive it wrecks it. I don't think Oh, I, I don't think Thaco alone would have made my head explode. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think just the spell memorization and everything put together that we kind of have an idea of going into it would have been like, Man, what the hell is going on in this game? Yeah, but I mean still this game was so popular. I yeah. feel like if that was that big of a hurdle, it wouldn't be popular. You know, John. Your evidence-based approach is really swaying my opinion. <laughs> like I know, I knew people who literally in their lives would never have ever played D and D that were obsessed with this game. Yeah, but there's like, definitely in f- sixteen years there are different expectations for yeah, uh, oh, definitely for definitely. RPGs. Um, I I think that's the difference. I think if you gave me this game uh, in two thousand. I would have been the happiest child in the world and played it for 200 hours. But at this point, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I'm just more accustomed to intuitive games. John, your friends, sorry, your friends that you mentioned that are like obsessed with this game. Is it that they remember the game for the cool combats or for, I'm saying back in the day when I was in high school, 
I knew a number of people who were obsessed with this game. Then. I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I don't know. Is there, is there something it. in particular that made? Was it the the you know? The, the oh, I'm. The... I, I don't. I back in the at the time. Sure. I, I frankly, <laughs> they played it before I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't play it until like two years after they like everyone else was done playing it in my like social group because I was like, oh, D and D, gross. Yeah, I was <laughs> that guy. Uh, and then I was like, oh wait, I've got a super addictive personality. I am now obsessed with yeah. every level of Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Pun intended. So anyway, <laughs> uh, but I think that it was probably the story and characters. I would, if I had to guess, mm. I would say it's probably the story and characters. You know, something um, sort of out of character, not out of character, but uh, you guys talked about MP. Did any of you actually play together? Because that's probably something that would be a different topic. I don't like I don't. multiplayer. We played it for a little bit. Um, I just I literally never tried it ever. Well, think, of sword, think of Sword Coast Legends. Was it fun playing multiplayer in that when you controlled one character? Um, I don't mind not having a party, so I'm a bad person to ask about that. Right. I liked running around with you, like on like voice chat, and not having to worry about other people like micromanaging them because I knew someone competent was controlling. Well, them. think of how at least within your character there was micromanaging to do. Yeah. Now, half your party doesn't have that. They just have click on bad guy. Yeah. I mean, I've played with people. Like, I've, I've played with, I played a real, like, maybe, like, 20 hours with a friend of mine, like, 10 years ago, who specifically wanted to play with me because, like, he was not interested in doing micromanaging. So I controlled five people, and he controlled an archer. <laughs> and, like, that's how we played. And I remember, like, I want the whole party, so it always kind of bothered me. Um, <laughs> we did an enhanced edition game where we had six people, and oh, I think it was the first game. That was Baldur's Gate 1. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not a game where you want to pick up one character, because classes are not designed to be balanced with each other. Well, and we already spoke about this, yeah. but the UI is designed so that you can control six characters at once. Yeah. If you're only controlling one character, then the UI is absolutely way too cluttered and it's ridiculous. Yeah, and if you're the if you're one character as a fighter, like yeah, it's fun left clicking an enemy once every. Well, then you lose so out on all this rich, gorgeous NPC. Yeah, that that yes, as well. True. Well, yeah. then you can't. I mean, you can do multiplayer and pick up NPCs. Yeah, you oh, can okay. just replace them entirely with your party. Your party members will just go to the copper coronet and you can yep. pick them up again if. Uh, yeah. If you get mints gotcha. killed or whatever. I had a question for Vegas. Mm-hmm. The first dungeon that you go through, which is Arenicus' is kind of like laboratory. Yeah. Did that feel Forgotten Realmsy to you? Uh not to me. Um, it felt like a weird uh, it it reminded me of Final Fantasy VII, actually. Um <laughs> With the uh, people floating in vats and things. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm not a huge Forgotten Realms guy. But, like, this is not something Drist would run into. Like, weird technology and uh, all sorts of other funky things going on. So, in that respect, I do think they might have taken some liberties with the setting. Would you guys Mm. agree? Uh... Uh... I don't think so. I don't think there's anything that literally makes it so that it can't be Forgotten Realms. Especially because yeah. I would say the, first, the first level of that dungeon, maybe, but the, the other areas are very Forgotten Realms to me. Yeah. Like the genies and the dryads and like all yeah. that. High-level mages in Forgotten Realms can do like, like they're like little godlings, mm-hmm. you know? So, 
It's not too crazy to me. Okay. I mean, I think it does a great job of just showing you how weird and sick Arenicus is. Like, yeah. 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 That's a good because, point. Yeah, later in the game, they try and make him more... Um, uh, sympathetic. What's sympathetic? Yeah, yeah, sympathetic. And I feel like if they didn't show you some crazy crap in the beginning, that would fall flat. Because that crap's pretty crazy. And I feel like it's really not that prevalent throughout the rest of the game at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think. Right. It's just interesting. Well, and that, that also they... shows you how he's nuts because no one yeah. else is doing that. I just thought it was interesting that that's the first thing they throw you into. So your expectations, obviously, as you go on and play throughout more of the game, they're going to go down. But that's just kind of a, an interesting thing to I see. I don't know. Like, I would kind of argue that it's not the first thing they throw you into the game because this, like, it really, really is a sequel. You know, like, I'm sure there are people that played Baldur's Gate 2 that didn't play Baldur's Gate 1, mm. but I feel like that's probably the minority. I feel uh, like there's a, there's a big assumption. Am I wrong here? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know if you're wrong or not, but... I, I could like, see someone definitely... picking up Baldur's Gate 1 and being like, meh, and putting it down because low-level D&D is so terrible. I definitely recommend to everyone uh, who's interested in these types of games to play Baldur's Gate 2 before 1. Because I think yeah, I think... Better. I definitely did play Baldur's Gate 2 before Baldur's Gate 1. Mm. I don't even think Baldur's Gate okay. 2. I think is obviously well. We can talk about that later. But I, in terms of low level D and don't even think it's. I think Baldur's Gate one might be the worst Infinity Engine game. Yeah. For low level D and D. Yeah. I agree. Nothing better than starting with four HP. Or four or five. Yeah. I'll say for about the first hour of Baldur's Gate two, um, just because you're meeting characters who already know you. And there's some dialogue options that are like, I don't remember you because I hit my head, I guess. Um, <laughs> it, uh, yes, it, felt, it felt very much like uh, like I was missing a lot by not playing Baldur's Gate. But after the first hour, that feeling kind of disappears and it just feels like a cool fantasy game. I, I'm looking up the sales figures for the two games now because I actually now want to know the answer to Greg's question. I guarantee it was a huge commercial success. I, I oh, think. It was. oh, they both absolutely were yeah. huge. Yeah, Baldur's like, Gate was super well received. Yeah, like you guys have done other games on this podcast that I've never heard of until you did the podcast. I don't think anybody in my high school didn't know what Baldur's Gate was on some level. So I mean, like the nerdiest thing ever, <laughs> and awesome. In college, I got so unbelievably excited when talking to a friend of mine, and I brought up Baldur's Gate, and he's like, oh yeah, I know that game, I used to play it a lot. And I was so happy, until about five minutes later, I realized he was talking about Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that that moment stands out as like one of, like, just a super upsetting moment to me. Uh, It's, I am sad right now. (laughs) Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance was, was pretty, was pretty poor. Yeah, I mean it's uh, uh, it's way different. Yeah, it's not it's not nearly. There are a lot of cool ideas for magic items that are not in like base D and D. Maybe they were in second edition. And I just didn't play it, but like, there's a lot of cool items in this. There's a lot of cool items. There's a sword that talks. There's a lot of cool yeah. items. Yeah. There's a crazy yeah. They they do a good job of making some unique magical items, and that's hard to do. It's the deck so of many uh, things. It's in the game. Oh God. Really? Yep. Oh, God. Uh, guys, let's go around the circle. Do you recommend this game? And if you do, what version of this game do you recommend? Very important. Let's start with 
Alex Basso. I guess if you've played both, uh, that applies too. Uh, I definitely recommend this game. Absolutely. Um, I do agree with you know what Vegas and Greg have been saying, and that it's it can be really complicated. So I think you should you know if you're interested in it, take some time to read up on classes and maybe how the combat works a bit. That being said, when it comes to additions, the enhanced edition. It's okay. It's convenient if you don't want to deal with mods. Uh, I personally, you know, I'd buy whatever's cheaper. I don't think the content added in Enhanced Edition, the new characters, is really great. Uh, and you do lose access to tons of mods, which, again, also don't think is really great. But maybe you're someone who wants, you know, people 15 years of work that people have put onto this game. There are a lot of mods. So... Uh, whatever's cheaper, just just get your hands on it. I would recommend if you like old school, like second of the D and D, or you're interested to see what's up with probably one of the biggest D and D games ever. Yeah, definitely pick it up on sale. Um, Steam has tons of great sales on it. I would get it then. If you're just looking for, if you just like, like Dungeons and Dragons games and you want like oh like a tech, like I think the tactical combat might get too much. Like, there might be too much kind of weird stuff. So pick it up on sale if, if, if you're going to do it. Okay, Vegas Lancaster. Would you recommend people play this game? Man, I have been dreading this part of the podcast for, uh, for a while now. Um, All of us. Uh, I recognize that this is probably the best D&D game you're going to find on a computer. Um, and I recognize how much people love it. But as someone who's playing it for the first time this month, uh, I think the story is cool. I think the characters are really cool. I think the writing is neat. And I went online and was reading more about the characters and their interactions and stuff. And I thought, man, that stuff is real cool. I wish this stupid gameplay wasn't getting in the way of me getting to that stuff. I just, mm, uh, I found the UI and the, the mechanics and the actual playing of the game not horrible, um, but not enjoyable either. And that's why if someone asked me who had never played it before, hey, should I go play Baldur's Gate 2? I probably wouldn't say, yeah, I loved it. I would probably say, meh. If you want to, I wouldn't. And it's not even that I hate this kind of game. Like, I just played through Wasteland 2 from beginning to end, which is very similar to Baldur's Gate 2. It's just got a little bit more modern polish that makes it more playable uh, in my mind. So, yeah, for... Uh, I recognize this is a D&D video games podcast, and... Almost every single person in listening to it actually played Baldur's Gate 2 at some point in the past, so this recommendation doesn't really matter. Uh, but I would say no uh, if you've never played it before. That's perfectly fine. This is a review show, and I wholly believe reviews are subjective. So your opinion 100% matters, my friend. And you don't have to worry. There's only three people listening to this anyway, and two of them are me and Alex. So you're good. Uh, first off, Vegas, your friendship divorce papers are in the mail. Oh, <laughs> that's why I was so afraid to say it. Just sign and date them. <laughs> don't worry. Just, you know, fax them back mail, but I don't care. It's fine. It was a great run. It was a great run. We've known each other for a while. 
Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think... love playing D and D with you in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we're gonna have to talk about how that gets split up too. I guess. Anyway, um, uh, that joke did not land as well as I'd hoped. Uh, regardless, I would recommend this game, but I played this with the original like CD installation, and uh, man, I kind of want to like write up instructions or something, but it will get lost. Google is not completely useless, but it is very frustrating to play this with the original CDs. Not actually not play, install the game with the originals <laughs> is very frustrating because there will be things that just break. And once you figure out how to fix them, it's great. You're good to go. But it takes a while. I seriously think uh, I took several hours getting this to work. Um, so that's not really a review of the game. My review of the game is I would recommend it. I think the story is classic and fantastic. And there's so many, like, just things. There's so many things that you could reference uh, if you've played D&D that it, it's absolutely worth it on a bunch of levels. But I, I mean, maybe the enhanced edition is worth it solely, so you don't have to use the 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 old installation. Because yeah, that was a, that was rough. Definitely a convenience factor with it. Oh, I just wanted to say to Vegas. Besides, uh, I wanted to make a corny joke about how this is his last podcast, but it's too late. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just want to say, it, Pillars of Eternity is a game I can't recommend enough to anyone who feels that this uh, this is missing a lot of modern UI elements. That is a game that really feels like a Baldur's Gate in the, you know, today's modern games uh, with some fantastic uh, quality of life improvements, including inventory management where you have an unlimited stash so you never have to worry about management. And the greatest inclusion in a turn this type of game is fast mode, where while you're running through a city, you hit a button and everybody moves at two times speed. It is amazing. Yeah, I'll it's like say, playing with haste at all times. I love it. <laughs> playing this game, uh, I haven't played Pillars of Eternity, and partway through, it got me thinking, man, I really like uh, some of this game. Maybe I should go pick up Pillars of Eternity. So I'm glad you said that, because that was what I was feeling. Oh, and also, you guys had mentioned that with Enhanced Edition, you can't increase the frame rate. So I maybe know. I take that back. I maybe know. I didn't. I didn't look into it. Um, okay. Probably not. Enhanced yeah, edition it, does also include. We didn't say it's a. There's like a third separate campaign. Or did you say already a horde mode? Uh, we mentioned it. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, it doesn't change anything about my recommendation in general. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, playing with the faster frame rate saved a lot of time because there's a lot of walking in this game. There's a lot of walking. I am going to recommend people definitely take a look at this game with that caveat that if a fight seems too hard, turn around and go someplace else. There's so much to do that you don't have to do every single fight if it seems too difficult. And that's not the fun of this game for me. And I think for a lot of people, the fun is exploring the world, meeting the people, talking to the people and uh, doing the quests. So that is my recommendation. I will say that I do not think the Enhanced Edition adds enough unless you are hell-bent on playing an evil party. Haha, <laughs> pun intended. Um, or if you <laughs> absolutely want to play this game multiplayer with a friend, which 
is way way easier although to be fair i feel like we kept running into sync errors alex yeah people kept dropping we when we had, played what, four people playing one of them constantly is dropping yeah so the multiplayer is easier to set up but maybe not the best in terms of connectivity um but yeah this is a big thumbs up for me i do think it's the best dungeons and dragons game ever made that i've played it's also available on tablets and phones is it really? Yeah, yeah it oh. said you can play on iPad. And, and uh, yeah. people were saying the touch functionality um, works really good with the UI. That makes sense to me if, it, if it's really instantaneous. Uh, okay, cool. Guys, we play lots of games. Alex Passo, why don't you recommend game for me? Uh, I'm going to recommend Renowned Explorers International Society. What a title. And, yeah. That's, Pause. that's me clapping. A game I have Vegas to thank, because I had no idea what it was until he randomly started it up on Steam. Uh, it's what, a roguelike game where you play a group of members in an explorer society, which are very common these days. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's basically there's like 15 members and you pick a combination of three of them. They all have different skills, there's like different roles, you have like scientists and fighters. So you make this the specialized party and you go explore these exotic locations, and uh, there's a bunch of, uh, you know, you get into combat, you have a bunch what? of... Uh, you make friends with monkeys? Yes, there's a, what, what are, like, interactive story-type dealies. Uh, if you ever played FTL, it's very, yeah. very similar to that, except it has a really cool, like, turn-based combat system when you get into a fight. And it has a really unique, like, morale system that I've never, I feel like, really seen before. Um, it's... It's a hard game to make sound cool when you're describing it, but man, can you put hours into it once yeah. you start playing? Yeah, I mean, the typical game takes like an hour and a half, maybe two hours, uh, and you're really just trying to get like the most exploration points or whatever, the renowned points uh, in each game, and you're trying to like break your record. I, I love that type of gameplay where you just see how good you can do. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and probably pretty cheap, so check it out. Cool. Vegas. <laughs> a little you recommend a game for me a little inside baseball for our listeners uh before we start recording uh rudy puts up a little google document with an outline of what we're gonna say and at the bottom he listed what people were recommending and under vegas he wrote probably some dumb farming game <laughs> and he's absolutely right oh. uh uh a big surprise hit of the past month is this game, Stardew Valley, uh, which is basically a clone of the old Har uh, Harvest Moon farming game. Stardew Valley is a clone of Harvest Moon in pretty much every way pa possible, and it adds some crafting elements, and there's like a, a mine exploration element where you fight monsters and stuff. But it's basically Harvest Moon, um... It's made by one guy, which is fascinating because there's a lot of depth to the game. Apparently, it took this guy four years to make, uh, and now he is a millionaire overnight uh, because it sold at least half a million copies on Steam, and I think he gets about two-thirds of each sale. Pretty good. Pretty good. It's a great game. Seems I uh, A yeah. relaxing game. Um, I play it late into the night 
That's perfectly fair. I was just joking. You know, that's not a game for me. I know people that love the Harvest Moon games and more power to them if they dig it. And this is really exciting if you're a longtime Harvest Moon fan that this game kind of came out of nowhere, at least on my radar. I had no idea that it was coming out. And yeah, right. It has exploded. I have so many friends playing it. So seems like a great game. Stardew Valley. Father, future astronaut, doctor. Please recommend me a video game. Um, I would say, and uh, I, I, my my suggestion here is for people who really like Baldur's Gate 2, if you want a game without NPCs that takes about half the time, but is otherwise very similar, but it's third edition rules, actually. That's the other thing. It's third edition rules. I'm suggesting uh, Icewind Dale 2. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think that um, I was pleasant, because I never played, I played Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2 a long, long time ago. I didn't play Icewind Dale 2 until like last year because I was just like, eh, I wanted something to do and this game is sensibly free at this point. So I'm going to play this. And um, it uh, it surprised me very pleasantly. It's, it's, it's pretty linear, but there's a lot of variety throughout the game that, that really makes it all work. Uh, and there are far fewer mods, so you can play with all of the fixed mods and not break the the stability of the game uh so it was it was much easier to install that than uh than Baldur's Gate 2 for me I'll swing down to probably if we're gonna do another Infinity Engine game that's probably gonna be it because it uses the three-pointer rule set I'm really curious yeah, I've actually never how that it. works out I haven't either so cool maybe we'll see that on the horizon definitely not next month I would love for everyone to play Ark Survival Evolved, be with Thor, they get sued into shutting down, and then I'll probably be playing The Division, which are both lots of fun. Uh, Ark Survival Evolved is all about silly dinosaurs eating you. I don't know if it's going to get shut down from the lawsuit. I, know, I think no. they've got plenty of money for litigation. Yeah, but fun times either way. Yeah, I like that game a lot, and uh, I like both of those games. So, good recommendations. I'm going to recommend a game called The Culling. Stardew Valley has blown up over the past month. So has this game, which is essentially uh, The Hunger Games, or Battle Royale, if, if you want to go that route. Uh, 16 people dropped on an island, got to find and scrounge weapons and kill each other. Super basic, but super fun. Uh, it has 2v2s. It's got this really great thing where the scoreboard is projected into the sky. There's this sarcastic announcer that announces whenever someone is killed and how they're killed. It has a melee system that's a little bit more complicated than just stab each other. It's got counters and pushing, which is, which is good. And it's got guns that are incredibly lethal. If you get a rifle, you're probably going to be getting some easy kills. So it's an early access. It just came out, but it launched with a lot of content. And all the base mechanics are there. So if that sounds like something appealing to you and you're a competitive person, I would definitely say uh, there is no experience I've had that have quite that has quite matched or been like winning a game of the calling. So, uh, yeah, that's my recommendation. Thank you so much for listening to both parts of this podcast. Uh, I appreciate you listening to, okay? Um, John Fisher, thank you for joining us as our special guest. Where can people find you on the internet if they can find you on the internet? Uh, if they want to find me on the internet, they can look for me at The Last Fisher on Twitter, 
I might post something every couple of months, so, you know, get ready for a wild ride. I believe your picture is a dog on your head, too. Is that correct? Probably. I like that. I like that picture. Um, I like that when you were live tweeting about uh, Cosmos and, um, like, being mean about it. I wish you would do that more. Well, I, I was being a bit unfair, but I felt like, eh. It was it's funny. more fun to be mean. And I'm like, oh, John knows what he's talking about. He's that, a physicist. That, that reflects poorly on me. But it whatever. probably does. <laughs> probably not good for your career if that were to get out. I'm on Twitter at Vegas Lancaster. And you can also check out VegasLancaster.com, which has a calendar that'll show you when you can see me in my weird musical improv comedy act. I've been hearing good things about that weird musical improv comedy act. So it's a lot of fun. I, I believe it. Greg, where can we find you on the internet? I'm pretty much just on Twitter, but you can catch me at NTS underscore QPOP. I talk about all sorts of stuff. You can find me on Twitter at yo underscore Alex Basso, where I think I actually post more than John looking at his. Well, he has more tweets. Definitely recently, but I think I think I started earlier in Twitter. Fun fact, we have the same amount of followers. Very, oh, very we are both very unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, you can follow me at Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. Next month, we are going to be playing Birthright, the Gorgon's Alliance. After saying we were going to play it four or five months ago and never playing it, we're going to call it the Lost Episode. The Lost Episode. Oh, sure, yeah. We're going to re- we're going to release the Lost Episode of Birthright: The Gorgon's Alliance, which is like a tactical war game RTS set in the Birthright setting. I, yeah, I have no idea what this game is about. I am very interested, and I'm excited to play it. Thank you again for listening. Bye.